This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey folks, welcome to lettermanrow.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham with Spencer Holbrook. As always, we are talking stuff about Ohio State football recruiting on the Ohio State Football Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Automotive. Uh, Spencer, how are you? Are you okay? Doing well. Um, ready to talk some stuff. I guess that's what we do here. So I'm ready. Yeah, I think that it's important that every time we start the show, we begin with a, a, a very different tone um, and present ourselves in a, in a different way. So today it's very somber. It's very it's very uh, serious. This is serious business. We're talking about the business of college football recruiting uh, and Ohio State recruiting. It's something that people genuinely care about with every fiber in their being. Basketball season's over, Spencer. Nobody has anything else to pay attention to. Let's talk football. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what's uh, what? Let's start here. Well, I don't exactly have a plan for this, as you know. We don't ever really script these things out. So let's just talk. Um, Ohio State offered a second uh, 2023 in-state offensive lineman in Josh Padilla on Monday night. And so I think that's sort of the most pressing thing to talk about because whenever we talk about in-state offers, they immediately go on to commitment watch uh, because that's just what happens when Ohio State offers their seven or eight guys every year in the state of Ohio. So um, Josh Padilla, six foot four, 265 pound offensive tackle at Huber Heights Wayne High School. Um, definitely a guard in college. The the early comparison from what I've seen from him on tape is uh, Pat Elfline. Uh, I think that that's a, the type of guy I think he could be. Um, he's a wrestler, very good wrestler, comes from a wrestling background. And it's early, obviously, to offer a player in state that the Buckeyes haven't been able to see in a camp setting. But if you turn on the film on Josh Padilla, and I recommend that people do, you're going to see a really nasty uh, offensive line a prospect that just likes to hit people. I, it's weird because they both wear glasses. So this might be a cheap comparison, but like he kind of reminds me of Luke Whipler in a sense where like you look at him, you're like, that guy's not nasty. And then you turn on the film and you're like, who is that guy? And it's the same guy. You're like, whoa, I did not know that that's the same person. But that, that's just a, a quick, a quick uh, comparison for me because when I turn on both those films, I do see some, some similarities there. I, I, I do think that that's a, a fair comparison. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that's fair. I mean, much like Superman, uh, you know, Josh Padilla <laughs> takes off the glasses, uh, and, and mild mannered Clark Kent turns into a, a very aggressive, very angry football player. And that's something Ohio state likes, uh, on the offensive line, especially from an interior lineman. And again, they really like the wrestling background when it comes to offensive, uh, line prospects, because you know that they have extremely quick feet, they know how to use their hands and, and they understand the art of leverage. Uh, and, and you can teach other technique outside of that. And what Josh Padilla told me about the offer uh, when Ohio State uh, told him was that what they knew they couldn't teach is his mindset and his mentality. And that should give you an insight into why Ohio State made that offer. Now, Josh did say he's not committing anytime soon. Um, but my sense on things is that 
it will be a major, major upset if he doesn't commit to Ohio State um, in the near future. I think that he becomes a candidate to be commitment number one in the class of 2023. He's the fourth in-state prospect offered in 23, joining Sonny Styles, Brennan Vernon, and Luke Montgomery. And now you really start to see that momentum toward what we've talked about a number of times is, is the importance of getting your base set up in the state and letting those guys do the work. Yeah, that 2023 class has a chance to be actually pretty special in the state of Ohio. I think, you know, Luke Montgomery has a chance to be a top 100 player. Uh, Brendan Vernon has a chance to be a five-star guy. Sonny Styles, I do believe, is going to be a five-star guy. I'm not. The jury's still out a little bit on Josh Padilla, where he could end up in those in those rankings, because we know fans love to look at those rankings. But this class in state has a chance to be really special, and if the Buckeyes can uh, lock down the borders early in that 2023 class, I think it sets up for what could be yet another special recruiting class throughout for the Buckeyes in 2023. Yeah. And the thing is, with a kid like Luke Montgomery, I've written about him on Letterman Row is that these guys are all extremely close. Luke is sort of taking on the the leader of the pack uh, mentality, not just for Ohio state, but he is working to build relationships around the country with a number of big time kids uh, and that whenever Luke does commit, and again, I mean, similar to, to Padilla here, I think it's going to be a major surprise if he ends up anywhere other than Ohio State. Luke may wait a little bit longer. I think maybe you could see him making a decision like October, November. But um, the relationships he's working on now with offensive linemen and, and defensive linemen around the country, especially kids like uh, Peyton Kirkland down in Florida uh, and Derek LeBlanc down in Florida are going to really pay dividends, I think, down the road for Ohio State. And it's already started like LeBlanc. Um, uh, announced on Twitter on Monday night that he's visiting Ohio State in early June. And you're starting to see all these little signs. And we talked about this last week on the show, Spencer, that maybe we can allow a brief ray of optimism into our conversations about the dead period actually um, finally, gloriously coming to an end. Yeah, and it's the sensible decision. It's a decision that should have been made, uh, in my opinion. I know in your opinion, a a few months ago, um, there should be visits right now during spring football, but that's now neither here nor there because there's nothing we can really do to change that. But I do think that this this thing will end. If I was a betting man, I would place my money on it ending May 31st, and you can have some visits that first week of June. And I think that's huge for uh, the sport, but more importantly, it's huge for the kids who are about to make a four-year and a 40-year decision. Yeah, and I, I want to be clear about why I think that the the spring practice should be open up for for recruits and stuff like that. And it's very simple uh, because it's going to be in other places around the country, and that's that's it. I mean, it, if Arizona, for example, I mean Jed Fish out there, the new head coach at Arizona, is basically the practice is open for anybody. Anybody who wants to visit, anybody who wants to watch practice, could just go watch practice. So why would players at Sal Point Catholic High School in Tucson, Arizona? not be able to just go and watch practice. If, if the ACC and the Pac-12 and, or the ACC, the Big 12, the uh, SEC is allowing spring game visitors, what's going to stop a recruit from going and visiting? There's absolutely nothing. It's, it's going to happen. It's already happening, as we saw with kids in the last year taking these self-guided visits to the cities and campuses around the country. They're going to find a way to get there. It makes way more sense to me to have it be regulated and and more properly set up so that people aren't just on their own and, and being you know potentially reckless when they're there. And uh, I don't want to ever come across like we don't understand the idea or the nature that we're in a pandemic. But, you know, there, there's 
there's reasonable and, and realistic ways that things can be handled. And as we've seen, these kids are finding loopholes. So why not just allow the opportunity to be there in a controlled manner? Right. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think, you know, there was a way to do it safely. There was a way to do it soundly. There was a way to make sure that when kids were getting on airplanes and going across the country to do these visits, that they were going to be tested when they were in these cities and they were going to be tested when they get home. And you could have had all that set up, but instead they just took the easy way out. They said, no, no visits at all. And now you got under the table visits and uh, self-guided visits that are happening all over the country. And and, uh, they're not sanctioned. They're not uh, safe by what the NCAA would want it to be safe. And so, you know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot, maybe, maybe uh, rob Peter to pay Paul there a little bit. Yeah. And you know, it is what it is. I mean, we're not going to change the world at this point. So let's just look toward that June 1st date and and hope that things are opened up so that kids like Derek LeBlanc and Josh Padilla and Luke Montgomery and Brennan Vernon and all these kids can, can finally make visits. Um, Ohio state is starting to set up official visits for June. So that's another telltale sign that things are at least starting to feel like the there's reason to be optimistic. Um, uh, uh, This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Offensive lineman Tyler Booker told me he set up his official visit for October uh, for June for Ohio State. Addison Nichols said the same thing. So they're they're starting to get things in place. It looks like Ohio State is really ramping up toward a big recruiting weekend. I think like the weekend of June 28th. So um, tentatively, I think we should schedule that one as sort of like the weekend for Ohio State in June. But it's going to be fascinating to watch Spencer because once this dead period ends and all these kids around the country are going to be dying to get to these schools. They haven't been able to get to schools like Ohio state, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, et cetera, Oklahoma, like they're going to be fighting tooth and nail to get those kids on, on campus uh, on the same weekends. And so I think you're going to see a number of kids really start to show their hands. If they, if they're trying to play it coy in the recruiting, I think you're going to see some hands get shown because it's going to be based really early on where these kids want to go. Georgia setting up their big weekends. It looks like uh, June 4th. So that's sort of what it looks like uh, for them. Kojo Antwe will be there. Addison Nichols will be there. Uh, Tyler Booker will be there. So it, it's starting to really ramp up towards that way. Um, you're going to see as Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia jockey for that sort of positioning uh, in, in June. And it's going to help really shed some light on where things are. I think that Ohio State has made a calculated play here. And I could be wrong. Maybe they're just setting up a weekend that they think they're comfortable with. I think that June 28th weekend might be a little calculated because the big weekend at Georgia looks like it's going to be the first week of June. Then I think Alabama is having one. I think the next weekend or Clemson. I saw some recruits are going to those two schools the next couple weekends. And then after you take three or four straight weekends of official visits, then all these kids come to Ohio State. And Ohio State gets to make maybe not the final recruiting pitch, but one of the last few, because you can only take one official to each place. Maybe they're setting that up. So, hey, we're going to let you guys go the first three weekends to these places, and then we're going to get you on the fourth weekend with your fourth official visit or your fifth official visit. I think that's a, a smart play. And if it is calculated, it's very smart. 
there's nothing that Ohio State does on the recruiting trail that isn't thought about ahead of time. And I think you actually might be onto something because as I start to talk to kids about when they're going to get to Ohio State, I'm noticing a lot of the 23 prospects are talking about being there the weekend of June 4th, in, early in the month, and then the 22s later in the month. And maybe if Ohio State knows that Georgia and Alabama and Clemson and all these are hosting the 22s on official visits those first weekend, it allows the younger guys, the underclassmen, to come to Ohio State first and really kind of set the tone for their recruitment. So, uh, you know, that's maybe just us spitballing, but um, it, it's interesting because we're going to hear over these next uh, eight weeks just a ton of kids dropping schools' names like Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, et cetera. And uh, I heard a lot of that this past weekend. I was in Atlanta at the Under Armour Camp Series uh, stop in Atlanta and um, also made some trips around the area to check out some uh, Ohio State targets that were not going to be participating in the camp. So we'll start with those ones, and then we'll dive into the camp a little bit, Spence. Um, first, uh, on Saturday, I saw Christian Miller, the, the six foot five, 285-pound defensive tackle at Cedar Grove High School. And he was on Bermanology on Monday. If you haven't watched that or listened to it, I definitely recommend it. He is a very unique kid, man. I, that was a that was one of the more enjoyable just conversations with a kid I've never met in person um, to just be able to, to, to talk with him the way we did. He was so easygoing and comfortable in his own skin. And, and I talked a ton, Spencer, about like the personality type that you have to have to fit in at a place like Ohio State where it is type A all the way. Christian Miller is type A. Yeah, he he seemed like a very fun person to to, to talk to and chat with. Uh, I think he called Larry Johnson Snoop Dogg. He called you the goat. Uh, we got we had some nicknames thrown around there. You just saw his personality kind of shine through during that interview. And I highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't watched it. Um, but but he also had some nuggets in there that were really interesting and and, and kind of shed some light on his recruitment. And and I think that's probably the main takeaway from everything he talked about. And you could probably touch on that more. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's obvious here that Ohio State ha has changed his recruitment quite a bit. He was initially expected to commit on April the 4th, and he told me that was pretty much going to be between uh, Florida and, and, and Georgia. Uh, and now, you know, those two will remain in his top five, but now you have USC and Ohio State really emerging in the recruitment. And I think and I could be wrong. I, I mean, I, I've been wrong about things before, but from talking to people all weekend, uh, it seems to me that it's Ohio State and USC that are the the front runners, maybe um, with Georgia, not because of anything Georgia did wrong. But I think that there's just uh, something about Christian's personality that to me, as I read it, and again, this is not based on anything I was told by him or anyone else. To me, he just seems like a kid that wants to experience life away from home and, and he wants to do something different. Um, you know, uh, I've talked in the past about the tea leaves when, when a kid has an uh, offer from his home state school to, and, and keeps kind of putting it off and looking other ways. I think that you should pay attention to that. I, I know that it's not always the case, especially in the SEC, where a lot of kids wait a long time to commit. But this is a, a young man that wanted to commit early and hasn't done it to Georgia. And I, I think that that I again, I could be totally off base. But to me, that means something. And doesn't Georgia have four defensive tackles or defensive linemen already committed in the class? Like it's not a they're not short on talent there. And and if you just it there's a difference between not wanting to compete and just looking at the roster and the roster shakeout and saying, Well, that's not very realistic for me. 
so, you know, you, you do look at that situation. You say, well, maybe it is time for him to look past Georgia and look at other schools around the country that, that he could see himself fitting in with better. Yeah, Georgia has three defensive linemen committed already. They're expected to land Michael Williams, who's a, a good friend of his. Um, they are also, you know, in, in the mix heavily for Walter Nolan, who I think, based on what I saw and heard on, uh, over the weekend, I would not be surprised if Walter Nolan ends up at Georgia. Um, I just, you know, I, there's this belief uh, among some in the uh, Georgia circles that because of the relationship he has with Michael Williams, because of the relationship he has with Tyree West, who's already committed there, that um, that they're all going to sort of end up together. And I, I just don't buy it. I didn't get that feeling at all. I didn't get it from Christian. Uh, I did not get it from talking to other people around Georgia. I did not get it from talking to sources uh, at Ohio State about his recruitment. He's the number 10 ranked defensive tackle in the country. He is he is not Walter Nolan. Uh, I'm gonna we'll talk more about Nolan as we get into the show, who who is a surefire day one starter at any school he goes to. He is that sort of talent. Um, but again, Ohio State's interest is generally speaking. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply about way more than just what a kid does on the football field. And and that's why I think Christian Miller is a perfect fit for Ohio State. It's why I think whenever he does make a college decision, uh, it's going to be Ohio State. My biggest concern, if I'm the Buckeyes, is how much he likes uh, being on camera and how much he actually, you know, thinks and believes that he's going to have a chance to to be in television and movies as he gets older. And and the the push from USC is going to be about that. There's no doubt about it. So you just start to wonder how that sort of dynamic plays into his recruitment is it worth it to him to go three thousand miles to play football knowing that hollywood's down the street if he wants to mix in a you know a acting class or something so uh maybe that's not going to be a big deal for him right now maybe he'll realize that you know i can do that in four years when i have a degree and i can um do anything else but i think it's going to be interesting because i i just Again, I could be dead wrong, Spencer. It's happened before, but I just don't buy that he's a uh, a, a done deal to Georgia. Interesting enough. I, I think you're right more than you are wrong, Berm. Give yourself a little more credit. But I have been wrong. Um, so I, I don't wanna I don't ever want to sit here and say like I I I know this is happening. I just it uh, it does not feel like a situation where he is dying to go to Georgia at this point. Um, and that's similar with Jake Pope, uh, 222 safety at Buford High School, who I also saw on Saturday, uh, who's on Bermanology on Tuesday afternoon, a rare, you know, two-time uh, Bermanology uh, week here on LettermanRow.com. Um, Jake Pope's interesting because we talk a ton about safeties at Ohio State in the cycle and Xavier Wanpa and Zion Branch. Um, and those two, if you look at them, you know that they're safeties, right? They're like one deep safeties they are six, two, they're six, three, they're 200 pounds. They, they, they look like what we think of when we think of Sean Taylor type safeties. Right. And then you have a kid like Jake Pope, who's six foot one, 190 pounds legitimately. I mean, he was 
an inch and a half or maybe almost an inch and a half taller than me. Uh, he's a very good athlete. He's a player that I think is more in the mold of like what a Lathan Ransom type safety is at Ohio State, where you could put him in the slot and put him as a nickel safety. Um, and he could also play on special teams. He returns kicks. He can play offense. He is a, a really versatile kid from a high school that produced Harry Miller. He's a 3.9 student. He is a player on the country's number one ranked baseball team at Buford. Uh, he's a center fielder there. There's a lot to like about Jake Pope, and he just seems like the type of kid that Ohio State recruits anymore. And I, you know, I, you look at his recruitment, and it's Ohio State, it's Notre Dame, um, it's Alabama, it's Georgia. I mean, he, he, all these schools around the country like this kid. Uh, you, you're, he, he could walk through your front door, and you would not know that he's a a college football prospect, but he is a, a really good kid and an athlete that I think Ohio State believes is is the type of person and player they want in their program. Yeah, and he seems like a, a good fit culturally, but he also seems like a good fit athletically. I kind of I kind of like what he does on the field. He's pretty versatile. Like you said, he's not going to be a, a deep safety that drops back and and plays like a like a Josh Proctor, but but he could be a Lathan Ransom. He could be you know some of those guys that Ohio State is starting to like getting in the mix, and I think. Uh, that's a recruitment to keep uh, an eye on. And I know you have the pulse of that now that you went down and saw him. Yeah. And, and he's actually a Clemson legacy, which I think is something that doesn't really get talked about much. Uh, his dad played at Clemson uh, and Clemson is not offered. I don't know if, if they would, uh, if, if that would change things dramatically, but he's got a top 14 list that's out there currently. He told me he's trying to cut that either almost in half or in, in third by the end of this month. Uh, to really start narrowing in on those final five that he's going to set up visits for um, for June. And uh, I'll be shocked if Ohio State's not in that group. It's been Matt Barnes leading the way. Uh, he's really prioritized Pope in these last couple of weeks and last month and a half, really, since he got his offer from Ohio State. And um, again, when it sounds like a beating a dead horse and we talk about it all the time, but Ohio State, the focus here is really on the culture fit and the kids that are going to come in do the work and, and be a, a, a face of the program in a way that you know that they're going to represent the school very well and they're going to take care of their business on and off the field. And uh, Jake Pope is certainly that. So um, I also, I want to mention this. I did, I went over to Alatoona High School on Saturday uh, to see Bennett Christian, Ohio State's uh, tight, one of Ohio State's two tight end commitments in the class of 2022. And I'm going to tell you what, uh, you know, we don't get to see a lot of these kids uh, because of the, the COVID stuff. And Bennett Christian is a legitimate six foot six. Like he's taller than Luke Farrell uh, right now. And at 235 pounds, he is skinny. Like this is a kid that is going to end up coming into Ohio State at about 6'6", 250, 255, I bet. And uh, he's going to surprise some people. I don't know why he doesn't get the national acclaim that a lot of these tight ends do, like Oscar Delp down there in Georgia, for example. But uh, the more you look at these tight ends, and Jeremy Ruckert's a prime example of this. Coming out of high school, Jeremy Ruckert was a six foot five, two hundred and twenty five pound receiver, and I know he's listed as a tight end because that's where you project guys. But I think a lot of the rankings and a lot of the conversation around who's the best and who does this is based almost entirely on statistics. And, and you know, at Alatoona, they're not throwing the ball very often. They basically run a, a power eye the entire game. And when they do throw it, everyone knows it's going to Bennett Christian. And so it's easy to, to double and triple team the six foot six, 235 pound tight end. Um, but I'm telling you, 
he's going to surprise some people with, with how he looks because I, I was surprised, and I've talked to Bennett a number of times since he committed. He looks like a, a legitimate Division One Big Ten tight end right now. Wow. That's kind of surprising because when, when you had him on Bermanology when he committed, he was kind of a smaller guy, really skinny. And and to think that he's going to continue to grow and into that frame and that body, um, you know, all of the Ohio State coaching staff, Kevin Wilson's probably got to be thrilled with with landing him early in the cycle and having him uh, at, in the commitment column earlier than than usual. Yeah, and again, it speaks to me to what Ohio State's looking for at the position. They're looking for well-rounded kids. It's They would love to have – every tight end come in and be the pass catcher that Jeremy Ruckert is. But it also took then three years to teach Jeremy Ruckert how to block in line and talk, you know, to, to, to convince him that that's a part of his game he needs. And I think what's really interesting about Bennett Christian and Benji Gosnell to a, a lesser degree, because Gosnell is a little bit more, um, you know, built for that. He's six, four and two twenty five range. He's maybe more of a, um, a guy you'd think of as a, as a basher, you know, a real punishing guy. Um, uh, these kids are going to Ohio State because they want to be complete tight ends. And so the ranking may not be where you think it should be for an Ohio State prospect, but from a simple athletic standpoint, you're talking about a kid who's a lacrosse player. And both of those guys are, you know, grow up in that sport as well and play other sports. Um, I just think that they don't get the attention that they maybe should. So uh, hopefully as the summer comes along, you know, Bennett decided to not participate in the Under Armour camp because he wants to play in the All-American game in San Antonio, not the one in Florida. And so he just figured he would just not go there. And I don't blame him. Those camps are kind of... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Silly. I mean, for a tight end, it's not like you're going to be the, the guy drawing all the attention anyway. So. Um, I did go to that camp on on Sunday, Spencer, and there were a lot of dudes drawing attention. Let me just start there by saying, what an incredible group of defensive linemen. That's Georgia, though, right? Like, you know what you're going to get when you go down to Georgia and you look at those high school football players, and it's going to be a lot of talent in the trenches. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I'm excited to hear about it because because we haven't talked about it as much. But but the defensive line class in this 2022 class, and even in 2023, is absolutely loaded, especially down south. And I know you got a lot of uh, did some homework on him. Yeah, I mean the thing is, uh, obviously Walter Nolan is the headliner, and he should be. This kid is remarkable. I mean, if you're looking for a defensive tackle, if you if you created a defensive tackle on Madden, it's exactly what he'd look like. I mean, six five, three hundred pounds, broad as a barn. I mean, the kid moves extremely well. Like he is everything you'd want in a defensive tackle prospect not going to see many of them better. And I know that, you know, that's, that's all well and good, but he's not going to Ohio state like period. So uh, he's going to continue to tell people that he's interested in the Buckeyes and he may very well be, he, he may be interested in, in learning from Larry Johnson and talking to Larry Johnson. Uh, it's just not going to happen. There's not going to be Ohio state and Walter Nolan. Um, maybe he'll visit. I, I don't, I don't know if he will. I don't, I don't think it matters. Um, I don't, I just don't see it happening. And that one, unlike when I'm talking about Christian Miller, where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. I just, 
if I'm wrong on this one, I, I will retire. I will never talk about college football recruiting again. Um, but that kid is not going to Ohio State. And I don't think it's even worth uh, talking about it. I mean, he's going to be super, super good no matter where he ends up, but it will not be Ohio State. Um, and, you know, if you talk about that and you give that sort of impression, on the other side of it, there's uh, Levius LT Overton, the 23 defensive end from Milton High School in Alpharetta, Georgia, who is on hand six foot six, 255 pounds, has an Ohio State offer. Uh, on as a basketball player and a football player uh the kid moves like chase young i mean i'm not he was so effortless and quick uh in, in drills and just a super great kid like family is his father's an athletic director of uh, kennesaw state you know, played football at oklahoma mom was a volleyball player at kentucky like this is a family that uh, has a very uh, deep athletic gene pool and he has extremely uh, well-rounded and, and um, well-meaning people around him in his recruitment. And I don't know if Ohio State can can make enough of an impact to, to really get involved in his recruitment or not. I think it's natural to assume he's going to stay in the SEC because he's grown up down there, um, grew up actually in Alabama and then moved to Georgia. Like I said, dad from Oklahoma. There's a lot of polls. Um, but for Ohio State, it's it's about how do you get involved now? How do you get involved in the re recruitment now, knowing that you can't really talk to them as much as you want to uh, until September 1st? And Buckeyes did a great job with JT Tuamilau uh, in the last couple of years of just building the relationship. Um, this one is going to have to be similar, but it might be just even more uphill because of the geographics. Yeah, when you talk about going out to Washington, that's a little different than going out to Georgia and stealing uh number one overall prospect because uh, i think uh Lavius overton is going to be the number one overall prospect in the class and he might do it wire to wire he's he's that kind of talent and uh we don't at letterman row we don't throw around the chase young name very often especially yeah. on this show um but if you're willing to do it here um you've got yeah, he, he, he's that type of player i mean he had 22 and a half sacks as a sophomore uh, then he went and won the state championship as a basketball player in the highest level of, uh, you know, um, the highest level of competition in Georgia. The, the kid has everything you want uh, and on and off the field. And he's going to be a, a battle that is uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I don't know if it'll end up in Ohio State's favor or not. Knowing what I know of him and what I got to meet him this weekend and his mother, um, he's the right fit for Ohio State and they will certainly not be they may not win the battle but it's not a waste of time recruiting a kid like that because the Buckeyes obviously are building an entire program around that sort of player and no one in the country has the reputation what defensive lineman Larry Johnson does and so you at least you have a, a fighting shot uh, maybe not a good one but you you know you never know when you can you know throw a haymaker that surprises people and um, that's a battle worth fighting for sure. Uh, I also saw Addison Nichols, who we mentioned, who set up his official visit for Ohio State in June. And uh, again, this is maybe me, Spencer, going out on a limb uh, compared to what I, I've read from other people I, I have a lot of respect for uh, who think it's a Ohio State, um, Georgia, Florida battle. I I'm, I think it's Ohio State and Tennessee here. His mom went to Tennessee. Um I, I, his father's from Tallahassee originally, so he not, it's not like he's a, a Georgia kid at heart. Um, 
when you talk about just personality, this kid is a, a nerd. And I mean that in the nicest possible sense. Like he's a nerd. Like he plays the ukulele. He is a, he's an Eagle scout. He plays three instruments. He's a, it does Taekwondo. Like he's six foot five, 310 pounds. And conversation with this kid is effortless and easy. And he will not, he will just ramble on about, whatever question you ask, he is an open book. And the way that I, the way I read it, it just seemed like to me, uh, Ohio state and Tennessee are in a better position than Georgia right now. But again, it's not like Georgia's out. He obviously set up his official visit to, to UGA on the June 4th weekend. So he's clearly still interested in them. Uh, but you know, for Ohio state, and when you're looking at the offensive line and you have Tegra Tishabola committed, you expect at this point that Emil Wagner will commit as one of the offensive tackle prospects. Um, a kid like Addison Nichols, who again, he's listed as the country's number nine ranked offensive tackle. I think he's a guard. That's just my, my sense of things, looking at the body type, looking at the way he played uh, on Sunday against, again, some of the country's very best defensive linemen. And it's not, I mean, I could go down the list of 20, 20 defensive linemen that were there that are going to play in the SEC or that level of competition. Um, and he really held his own. I thought he was a, a surprise to me because I didn't really go down to Georgia with the expectation that I would think that he was um, not necessarily a must get for Ohio State. But I, I wasn't sure if he was one of those prospects that is a, a real deal Ohio State level guy or someone that you just offer because he's in Georgia and you want to, um, you know, beat the bush around a little bit. But that kid was a real deal. Berm, I have a question, though, about about this, because we talk about where Ohio State targets a lot, and it seems like Ohio State's really targeting that Georgia area. Do you think that's because Georgia just can't take them all and they're just now Ohio State's just now diving into that? Or like what's going into that? Because you're naming a lot of guys from Georgia and transplants. Number one, there's a lot of transplants. Okay, tons of transplants in that area. So it's not all it's not like Louisiana where. Kids are born there. They never leave. Family's always there. Like it's Georgia is an area that has a ton of transplants. And what you said also is correct. There are so many good players there that it is impossible for Georgia to take them all because Georgia wants to be a national program also. So you have to consider that in their mind, maybe someone like Addison Nichols, who if, if they really went all in on Addison Nichols, you probably have a 90% chance of getting him, right? Or even let's go with Christian Miller, uh, maybe a better choice. If you go all in on Christian Miller, you have a 90% chance probably of getting him at Georgia, right? But if you're talking to him, but you're also talking to Walter Nolan, you're also talking to defensive tackles in Florida and uh, Carolina and California and anywhere else, you open the door for these kids to go somewhere else. And uh, I, I think it's just one of these things, like if you look at in Georgia, the you can go down to the number 16 player in the country or the number 16 player in the state of georgia is inside the composite top 150 players in the united states in the class of 2022 okay 16 players in the state of georgia are ranked inside of the 150 in the country and if we go to Ohio State or Ohio, sorry, um, there are six players in Ohio in the top 150. 
So almost three times as many. <laughs> how, how do you, it's becoming harder and harder. We've talked about this and I know some people will disagree. Ohio does itself zero favors. The Midwest does itself zero favors. There's no spring football. They can't, they don't, they're not allowed to play seven on seven football. They are not being trained the same way that these kids are in the rest of the country. And it, it is beginning to show up in the recruiting rankings. I mean, to not allow spring ball, you go down to Georgia, these kids are playing football 12 months a year. In, in Ohio, they're playing it three months a year. I mean, it, and then it, it's taking Ohio kids two or three years longer to develop and to be ready for, for that level of competition because they've played two years less of football by the time they get out of high school. I mean, it, it seems it seems to me like a pretty obvious answer as to why all of a sudden the SEC is so much better than everyone else. I mean, aside from the fact that they have less stringent academic standards for, to get kids into school, and because aside from the fact that they have rampant cheating that goes on in all of their recruiting, the talent is that much easier to get because there's so much more of it. I, the fact that Georgia doesn't win a national championship every other year is partly an indictment on, on the coaching staffs that they've had there at Georgia, but also because obviously Alabama is so good at it. But when you look at the demographics, when you look at the talent, when you look at um, the fact that, again, academic standards in most of these schools are, are lower and the, the conference has basically all but sanctioned just wild, wild west style recruiting in the last decade. Like, how, did, how does anyone ever beat them? It, it's sort of confusing to me. I went off on a tangent, didn't I, Spencer? Sorry about that. Oh, no, it was a good one, though. I mean, you're not wrong. And so I guess we have an answer. You have given us the answer, Brian. Well, I mean, it, it's frustrating, I think, because people just assume, and, and uh, I do not want to go off on this. There's this widespread assumption. Oh, let's go back to Walter Nolan here, for example. Okay. This kid is a, again, surefire, big time NFL draft pick. He, he might be the number one pick in the NFL draft in three years. He's that good. Uh, his top 10, obviously, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, Georgia, you know, all the Tennessee, all these schools. When I don't make, I don't want to call out individual fan bases because I know it's not popular. But if you look at the response, so there was a, a message board thread on the on a Michigan website this weekend about Walter Nolan and his his what they were perceiving as his top five schools. So Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, um, Georgia. And I don't know if it was Tennessee or Clemson or Clemson was not listed. And the response from the Michigan fans was, oh, well, one of these things is not like the other. And assuming that all these other schools cheat, the minute that Michigan will understand and the fans of Michigan understand Ohio State is not doing those things and that Michigan is actually worse at football because they just are worse at football right now. And they will start to understand that schools like Ohio State, Clemson, a, a lot of o Oklahoma, these other schools around the country that are not actively participating in the widespread stuff that happens in the SEC, like maybe we'll start to see some institutional changes across the, 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 the landscape of college football because there is a huge disparity between what is permitted to happen in these, in these leagues and what happens in the places like the Big Ten. It, it, it's not even... And not every school in the Big Ten, by the way, is clean. I'm not saying that there's not things that happen at Ohio State or Michigan or anywhere else that shouldn't happen, but the the turning of a blind eye to things that goes on at, at these other schools is it's incredible, Spencer. It's incredible. 
you're they're not want, wrong. You're you're preaching to the choir here, Berm. I think you're going to preach to a lot of the choir in Ohio State. The fans that listen to this show are probably going to be right on board with what you're saying here. And you're not wrong. And when you go down to a camp in Atlanta with all of the SEC um, uh, future SEC defensive linemen, future SEC players everywhere, it kind of just becomes heightened. And so I think this is a show that needs to happen about once a year, just to just to remind everybody what what. And I'm also, I want to be clear. I, I firmly believe that you have to do what you have to do to succeed in these places. Okay. I get it. Like if, if I often wonder like what would happen if Michigan or Clemson or these other schools that Ohio state actually competes against began to participate in that kind of activity again. And again, I don't want to say Ohio state's always been clean because they, they certainly weren't. I mean, we've, we've heard the stories about, what happened 15 years ago and longer, but it's not the same program anymore. And I think that the sooner that people realize that, that what separates Ohio state right now from the rest of the big 10 is not, you know, bad stuff. Uh, it's actually the really good stuff. They have incredible coaches and they develop players as people and they recruit only great students from great families. And uh, those are the things that make Ohio state better than the rest of the big 10 right now and the resources that Ohio State has as far as putting them in positions to, to win when it comes to uh, facilities and all that stuff. If you have to keep up with the Joneses and the Joneses are cheating their asses off, then you you might have to cheat your ass off too, right? Like, and I'm not even saying that that it's wrong. I mean, I, I mean it's wrong from a, a rule standpoint, but if everyone's doing it, fine. To me, it's like steroids and baseball, Spencer. Like, if it... Everyone was doing it. Okay, so who let them play and 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 see how what happens? If everyone's doing it, then whoever best on the field, the result ultimately still comes down to that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Again, like I said, you're preaching the choir here. You know this stuff better than I do, but and I don't really have many things I can truly add to it, just because um, it's all true. That that's just the nature of recruiting though. And it is frustrating. Uh, but it also is just, uh, the simple facts of life. I mean, you look at just random stuff, like any of these kids who are making these self-guided visits. So once they step into a, a, into a, an environment that allows them to sort of skirt rules or to find loopholes that, uh, or create loopholes, um, when they're on these self-guided visits, then the expectation is that that's what's going to happen when they go to every place. And that's just not the case. And so then you start to set up this imbalance between what should happen and what does happen. And the kids can't really be blamed for it because it's the men in charge of the program, the men and women that are in charge of the program, letting it happen that really ultimately are to blame. But then the kids end up being um, sort of highlighted as a problem because the kid was told, hey, go ahead and take advantage of this. We're going to let you. But it's the men and women uh, and boosters and, and people in these programs that are that are real, really the issue. Whew, I didn't mean to go off on all that. But here's the deal. Atlanta, that camp was loaded, loaded with players. I got a lot of stuff coming from uh, that camp this week on Letterman Row, um, including a, a defensive back that I really think Ohio State should be looking at. I'm going to create a, a list. I'm going to call it like, five players Ohio State should offer from the Atlanta Under Armour camp or something like that. So look for that on Letterman Row this week um, because I, I think that there's some names down there that really the Buckeyes uh, need to be looking at and the Buckeyes fans need to know about. Um, and I, I don't want to – do, do I come off of sour grapes here? 
on this whole, because the Buckeyes obviously do pretty well for themselves. They're the number one ranked class in the country in 2022, the number two ranked class in 21. I understand that people assume that because every other team in the top five or top six is cheating their butts off at Ohio State is too, but they're just not. And the kids around the country know that. And that's what's actually more interesting about it. They know that. So that is, it is, it is told to them in advance. Well, you know, we, we talk about a lot of recruiting stuff and we uh, beat around the bush a lot when we talk about this kind of stuff. And I think about once a year, I, th- I remember last year, uh, we just had to have an honest conversation about Ohio State versus Clemson in recruiting. And we got absolutely demolished in the comments by Clemson fans. So there's yeah, for just no reason. I mean, those are those are two teams that do it the right way. No, but you know what I mean? The, different. The, yeah. the conversation du jour last year was about Ohio State and Clemson. Right now, it's all about Ohio State trying to keep up with what the SEC is doing. And so about once a, every six months or once to a year, Berm, there just needs to be some honest conversation. And I think that's what we've provided in these 30, 40 minutes today. Yeah, and I think it's important for Buckeyes fans and Big Ten fans and, and fans of programs that are doing it the right way to understand then when you run into these programs on the football field, there's an opportunity that you you have been – building a team with one hand behind your back for three years when they've had four hands building a program. And, and all of a sudden it becomes a much different conversation because at the best player on, on your team might be, you know, one of 15 dudes just like that on the other team. And, and that's uh, it becomes a very difficult uh, thing. And I, I mean, I, if I was an administrator or a coach at one of these programs, that's doing it the right way. I can only imagine how frustrated I would be and, and tempted to say, you know what? Uh, the NFL seems really good right now. I would like to just go coach there, please. Because that seems to me um, the way this is going. And I, it's going to be fascinating to watch how name, image, and likeness changes all these things. And maybe maybe it levels the playing field for some schools. Um, maybe it just makes that gap worse because the, the programs that are already finding ways to, to funnel um, things find even larger funnels. I don't know. I don't know, Spencer. I don't know anything. I'm done talking stuff. I'm done talking stuff today. There's no more talking stuff, but this has been talking stuff. And I apologize for all my rambling, Spencer. I know you didn't talk much today and I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I enjoy the conversation. It's it's like I'm listening to a podcast and like the other people are, except I get to respond, right? And I oh, get to say yeah. like, oh, when, when people are you know doing their dishes and listening to this podcast and they say, oh, Burm is right. I actually get to voice that. So it's kind of nice. Well, thanks. I know there's going to be a lot of you out there who are rating, reviewing, liking, subscribing to this uh, podcast that don't think I'm right. And that's okay too. You can call me all the names you want. And again, if Walter Nolan ends up at Ohio State, I will retire from this business. I will never talk stuff again. But until then, this is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row and Buyers Automotive at Spencer Holbrook. I'm the guy that talks too much, Jeremy Birmingham. Have a good day. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.